When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks for making it here, however you made it here. Uh, of course, if you're a returning customer or, or maybe it's your first time around and, uh, and you're like, hey, I like this kind of thing. I like hearing interviews. I like hearing from my favorite artists. I like discovering new musicians. I like knowing what's happening in the music world. Well, maybe I can entice you into subscribing to the series, hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening from or any of the major podcast hotspots such as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and all the others. We'll bring you a brand new interview every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So go ahead and do that. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today I'm going to be talking with Gary Lewis of the Jayhawks. They have got a brand new record called XOXO, and it's one of the best Jayhawks records in their career. And there's a twist to it this time. Collaborative songwriting, collaborative singing, more voices than you've ever heard on a Jayhawks record before. So Gary and I are going to talk about what spurred that and what the experience has been like. Writing about depression and anxiety that's coming from Gary's side of things, especially how the 24-hour news News cycle was uh, was one of the things that inspired some of the songs on here. Uh, the Jayhawks are a Minneapolis band, so yes, we're going to be talking about what it's been like in Minneapolis uh, for the past couple months since the killing of George Floyd. Uh, what that's uh, been like for the band. And on the lighter side of things, the uh, the cover art I'm a big fan of on this new record XOXO. It's a uh, it's a painting called The British Invasion. 
Uh, I want to hear about what the connections are, not just with the paintings, but actually that era of music has had on Gary's songwriting. And get this, he tells us this isn't the only music. He's also got a solo record done that's going to be coming out next. So let's jump into it, discussing the record XOXO, or Kiss Hug, Kiss Hug. Uh, I suppose you could call it that as well. It's Kyle Meredith with the Jayhawks. Hi, Kyle. Well, i got to tell you that uh, the new record with XOXO... you guys do it every single time. I love the Jayhawks. We love the Jayhawks. We love what you've done in the past. But there seems to be something else going on here. The songs are just hitting at the right times, and everything sounds great. And it's probably one of my favorite records that you guys have done, like, on the very first listen. So I want to congratulate you all on that one first, because I know that's not always easy. Uh, yeah, after 35 years to reinvent yourself. Well, we aren't really reinventing ourselves, but we each record seems to be a little different. This one was a little bit, they're all collaborative, but this one even more so in that uh, more members uh, are singing lead vocals and writing songs and uh, kind of uh, opened it up a bit. And uh, uh, it really brought us together as a, as a band, as a family. And I know that's probably one of the big lines from this, you know, the, the press kit lines from this record is, is all those different voices, which does make for an interesting listen, something different, uh, at least than, than what we're used to. I, I had wondered, as far as the songwriting goes, in the past, you know, would this have just been... Like, I, I was trying to think, like, the demos, if anybody else would have written the demos, they would have had their own voice to it, and they would have given it to you. How often did that uh, occur in the past? Not very often, really. I kind of uh, bullied my way into the, the lead spot and kind of dominated the, the writing, and uh, and I just I just write more songs, you know, and that, not necessarily, I just do. And uh, I think uh, these guys, uh, Mark Perlman has co-written or written some of the, best Jay, some of the best jayhawks songs but not that many in comparison to me but he uh, really uh, he's a great writer and tim uh, he doesn't or he he what he writes is great but sometimes uh, you know uh, he doesn't have as many and in this case we kind of really pushed him to to, uh, to and he came through with some great songs and karen hasn't really written she's she's a great writer but she, again she's still she's just kind of coming out it's like her coming out party and uh has is gaining confidence but really her lyric writing is is is, is stunning and uh, i hope she'll continue to write more but but at the end of the day it's each record is different and it's 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 really made the best song win if these guys write great songs next time there'll be plenty of room and if uh but you know it's not just uh, uh, everybody doesn't get an allotment of three songs every record. It's just, uh, but hopefully this will be the beginning of a trend where these guys will write more and and the songs will be great and and I'll continue to write more. This this record I also had written a, and recorded a solo record which is on hold right now until the JX record comes out. But so I had written a lot of songs specifically for that and really it just seemed like well why these guys write a little bit more this time and their songs turned out great. And I'm sure you know this will be more questioning down the line whenever that solo record comes out but are are all of those songs written at the same time did you just were, were you in the the position to kind of pick and choose where you would say okay those are definitely the Jayhawk songs and these are definitely going to be for the for the record I think I just was working on the solo record without and picking what I thought were 
the strongest songs for me, especially with songs that maybe had a little bit more electronic stuff or it wasn't maybe, uh, it didn't feel like a Jayhawk song. And then for the Jayhawks, you know, it was kind of uh, what was left and then writing some, some new songs. But it, it wasn't like other records where I had spent the majority of my time writing a new new song specifically for the Jayhawks. So, uh, But then, you know, when I realized that it was a good opportunity for those guys to write, it was... I, I didn't push myself to. Uh, I felt like we had enough songs. We always have enough songs. We had way too many songs this time too. But I mean, we've been put out like eleven studio records in thirty-five years. We could have put out thirty-five, but uh, the music business is such that uh, there's a lot of waiting around, especially if you're not uh, Taylor Swift or um, Kanye West or something. You know, they they want to wait until uh, it's uh, everybody else is not putting out a record, and then maybe you'll get more attention. So. Jayhawks did a lot of waiting in their time. That's got to be painful to a, a certain extent, knowing that you've got whatever that that that's unheard. Yeah, and then once they're once they're past, they kind of uh, they become old to me. I don't like working on old songs or reworking old songs. You know, so those are been and gone. What is surprising then is it, it, when you're coming at a record from this many angles. Obviously, has been done before with bands who have multiple singers, multiple songwriters, but yeah, I started wondering if I were I was drawing lines that were actually there or, or not, because when you look at the cover painting and reading about it called The British Invasion and, and knowing uh, somewhat about, you know, your likeness of of that era and everything I, I sort of wondered does the does does that album cover speak to what the songs are within the record sort of in that way well i think they're kind of like our lyrics they uh, my lyrics are i don't always it's not so literal it's, uh, sometimes the meaning comes afterwards and then i figure out and i'm like wow that's really some deep stuff gary but i didn't i didn't set out writing i do more stream of consciousness and then kind of come around the back door for uh, the album cover it wasn't really that thought out it, it's it's um it's funny it's called british invasion by duncan hannah who's a friend of mine who's a great painter in new york but and then we thought maybe we'd call the record the yiddish invasion but we could, <laughs> decided that didn't really work <laughs> um Duncan Hanna is a fantastic artist. He's originally from Minneapolis, but has lived out in New York since the 70s and uh, really was part of that New York scene musically, too. And, uh, yeah, you should check him out. Um, but uh, he did a cover for an, a band called The Suburbs from Minneapolis back in the day, and it was this cool collage, and I thought, oh, I'd really like to maybe get a collage or something from him. And uh, turns out our bass player, Mark, was a fan of his and suggested this painting as one idea. And I got in touch with Duncan, and it just all it just all came together quickly and uh, just kind of uh, good karma. But looking at your question, you know, does it speak to the music inside? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's, uh, it's a, a woman, uh, you know, sitting on, the, uh, on her floor with records splayed around her record player and um you know i like to still think that we make albums and not just songs and maybe it's uh for a quieter listen and uh yeah it's taken on its own its own meaning to me to cover well i hear some of that in there and like i said i didn't know if i was reaching like you know dogtown days i mean there's a little birds a little big star happening in there you know stuff like that which neither one of those of course is british invasion but i think i'm hitting on the era and uh and the groove of little victories i mean there there's so many great spots on this a handful of those kind of stands out and i i even think both of those are what um 
uh, songs that uh, you and Tim collaborated on? Uh, well, I really, Little Victories is really mostly mine. He, he really did help me change the melody on the verse, which turned it into a little bit more of a staple singer thing. So that's his credit on that. I had absolutely nothing to do with Dogtown Days other than I play guitar on it and I really and sang on it, but I, I love it. Uh, Tim is, we all work differently. Tim doesn't really, he's not great at collaborating on his own songs. Uh, which is not a criticism. It's just that's how some people are. And but he's really good at, at, at with ideas on other members' songs. Um, so you know, this record, I was a little worried about how it would hold together because everybody kind of took charge of their own songs. And uh, but it came together in the mix and in the sequencing, and then it felt like a cohesive whole. But as far as British invasion, yeah, I grew up uh, listening to all British British music. Anglophile didn't know anything about traditional American music and uh, until uh, later in my life in the 80s and uh, that's later in my life <laughs> uh, but you know it's uh, I think that's always made it difficult and yet is what makes the Jayhawks the Jayhawks for other people is that it's we're not a straight roots band we, we also have kind of British uh, uh, pop influences and uh makes us harder to categorize, I think, but it's also added to our longevity, I think, and makes it, uh, you know, Jayhawks sound like the Jayhawks. Well, I, I will ask about a couple of those tracks, too, and, and since I already brought up Little Victories, and again, just really locking into that groove, where does that song come from? Oh, deep down inside, Kyle, <laughs> way down. It's, uh, you know, it's the, I think, you know, I have battled a low-level amount of depression and anxiety in my life. And I think it was me questioning who, which, where I got it from, maybe. Uh, if it was genetic, if it, did my father battle it? Did my mother battle it? Um, because they didn't talk about stuff like that. It wasn't obvious to me. But I, I've seen, uh, uh, you know, I know it runs in the family a bit. So I guess it was kind of a kind of a, a, a little song to my parents, like, you know, you're not just parents, you're people. And which one of you maybe was uh, dealing with some of this that... I never really knew about. So it was a little ode to them, my parents. It's interesting um, to make something like that very musical in, in that sort of, which again, I mean, it's an obvious statement because that's what you do. That's what songwriters do. But kind of, uh, I'll flip on a wider scope then to take another one because living in a bubble, you know, you're talking about writing stream of consciousness. If I don't know if you can apply that same thing to this one, if that's how that happened, because this one seems even if accidental, very topical. I mean, um, you're talking about the news cycle, obviously, uh, the cell phone thing, but living in a bubble itself, I mean, that became a phrase we heard a lot just four years ago. Yeah, it, it's a, it's that one, you know, I, I look back, there are a couple of songs on here I, I got more specific than sometimes I do or more topical. Of course, this is way before COVID that I wrote and recorded this, that I wrote and we recorded it, but... Um, you know, it's something that goes on in my life and other people's lives, uh, the, the dealing with the 24-hour news cycle and social media and the constant barrage of images and short attention span and uh, commenting on that, that, that I lived more of a life of isolation and I'd kind of stay informed and uh, be aware of what's going on and interact but not get stuck into that cycle that just kind of 
foments it all, you know, fans of the flame of fear. So it was commentary on that and our connection to devices. And uh, so, yeah, and then here we are now. Uh, everybody's living in a bubble. And uh, uh, it's not just COVID, but it certainly is uh, a commentary of our times. Yeah, because especially, you know, again, you couldn't have planned for what was going on when this came out. But, you know, more or less technically the Jayhawks is a Minneapolis band, even though I, I, I don't I'm not sure that you're specifically a Minneapolis yourself these days. And I am. You are. OK, so this is the time of, of obviously George Floyd. And, and and you have a song like this and, and other songs that speak to the moment. I, I would wonder specifically, uh, you know, speaking of George Floyd and what's happening up there. What has that been like for you? How have you reacted? What's the voice that you've used towards your audience? Because because you all are, you know, progressive voices uh, and, and that's nothing new. But but how has it been for this specific moment in time? You have to be careful because uh, sometimes coming from musicians or artists, actors, sometimes commentary can sound trite or just uh, obligatory. However, it doesn't mean that we don't have something to say or we don't believe in the cause. Because uh, I've lived in Minneapolis for 43 years. I moved away for three years and just ironically moved back pretty much the day all that happened, the day after. Uh, and uh, it, the city was just kind of on fire and, uh, the, and, uh, and horrible uh, looting and, of course, the uh, storefronts being you know, drive through town and it just looks like uh, third world. It looks like uh, Detroit, 1968, you know. But however, and no one wants to see anyone tortured or killed uh, like he was or at all, but um, it has brought things to a head which have been bubbling under for so long that one can only hope that um, this actually does create real change and uh, certainly I believe in the cause against police brutality and, and restructuring uh, what is known what people think of as the police but also um, you know it, it, it's uh, to me I'm still I just still can't believe this is happening in 2020 that this, right. this racial divide and, and you know I guess as far as the Jayhawks are concerned or Gary Loras me Gary I have a show called the SH asterisk T show on mm-hmm. uh, Facebook Live, JX Facebook Live that I play most Wednesdays, depending if I'm in town. And you know, like last night, we made sure that proceeds, half the proceeds, went to two specific causes. And if you look at our face, JX Facebook, there's a a, a group of um, organizations and, and uh, causes that uh, we support that we encourage people to donate to. But otherwise, you know, and I feel like I would be out there doing more physically, but I am a 65-year-old male without a without a spleen trying to go to see my girlfriend in Canada, uh, fiancé, and so I, I wasn't able to go out there. It, it is strange for me to see everybody kind of massed together after all this, you know, masked and hopefully masked, but, but the cause is real, and it's been going on for way too long, and it's uh, it's going to take a long time, but we completely are involved with it. And I appreciate I appreciate what you're doing. That I don't mind calling it with the full title with the shit show uh, online and, uh, <laughs> and pointing people to that. And, and, I'll, and I know I'm going to wrap up here, too, but I should also bring up that, you know, there are there is actually a song on the record that seems to speak not to that moment there, but with uh, Society Pages. I mean. 
having that opening line with Hello Young Queer, I don't know how much you can speak to that song, but it feels like it is one of those moments where you all are being very direct towards the cause. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, I didn't write that song or the lyrics, so I can't comment too much on it other than we did think about that term and if it would be offensive. Now, I have friends who have worked in the transgender community specializing in sex and gender and put it to them. And I was assured that it was uh, it was OK. But, you know, you know, once it's there, it's there. And you know, started thinking, well, it could be young deer it could be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, none of it feels right, so you're sidestepping it. So hopefully that will be understood as as we are in support of LGBTQ. Yeah, it's, 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 context is, of course, important, but I don't think you guys are, you know, I mean, this song seems very obvious what you're trying to say to me anyway. I wish you'd explain it to me because I'm dying to ask Tim exactly <laughs> what was going on and who's it about, but I have... You would never tell me. I'm afraid I can't give you that part either, obviously. But uh, uh, it's mo- I, I, I guess I understand it more than I, I know it, if that makes sense. <laughs> Gary, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Again, congratulations on XOXO. I, I absolutely love what you all are doing and, uh, and, and cannot wait to hear, especially what the next step is with that solo record. Uh, I'll be looking forward to that as well, man. Thanks, Kyle. My pleasure. Take care, and we'll see you around. Okay. See you, Kyle. Bye, Louisville. Now, of course, it's not the first time Gary and I have sat down in the studio. In fact, I'm going to include two other interviews I've had with the Jayhawks over the years. Uh, this one goes back to 2018. We were talking about a record they had just released called Back Roads and Abandoned Motels, uh, which was a, a group of songs that lead man Gary Lewis had written with other songwriters over the last 20 years, recorded them through the Jayhawks filter. So we got to speak about uh, the cuts originally heard by uh, the Dixie Chicks, uh, Jacob Dylan and the Wild Feathers, as well as his solo reissues and uh, when we might get another Golden Smog record. So uh, this is part two, Kyle Meredith with the Jayhawks. Back roads and abandoned motels. This is a really cool project, as we're hearing about uh, a lot of the songs that you've co-written over the years for the other artists. What brought it on now? Why now? Well, it was suggested by this guy, uh, John Jackson at Sony Legacy, who uh, we got to know in the late, like around 2009 when we were reissuing Jayhawks records through Sony Legacy. And he ended up being this huge fan, and he became a good friend, and... uh, Turned out, you know, he plays. He's a good player, and uh, he's you know, kind of young guy. And he started flying into dates and sitting in with us, and kind of really became a member. So he's kind of a, a member when he can. He has a regular job, but he, so he's always looking out for things to 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 make people think of the Jayhawks or what ways to to, to promote us, and because he really believes in us. And he's the guy who connected us with Ray Davies, and he suggested. He said, you know, he, he knew we were kind of in between records and he thought and he said sony would love to put out something where you know just to show people uh showcase your songwriting and thought you know it would be really cool to hear the jayhawks do these songs i wrote with and for other people with co-writing i mean in one sense maybe being in a band you, you've always been co-writing but the, these songs they were probably different i'm guessing is it very different it's quite a bit different for one thing uh, you're writing especially when you're writing with the artist uh, they're going to end up making it their own putting it on their record it represents what they want to say so you really have to keep a two-way street going an open door and really kind of be try to get out of them what they want to say uh, as opposed to when you're making your own record you can pretty much say whatever you feel um, so it's a collaboration it's a, sometimes it's a compromise sometimes it's just a 
it's the you learn something it's the synergy and uh and you try not to put so much of yourself into it that it drowns out the other voice so it's a there's an art form to definitely to co-writing i i'm sure every song kind of you know asks for its own thing but are there rules with this where you said you had to stay true to the original or do you try to give it your own personal touch now that it's that it's just you this time around well, I think that's part of the appeal of doing this is that we can do it the way we, you know, we we, we want to do it. And I will say that I'm happy with all the, the versions that people recorded, and that's not just saying that. But when you co-write something, you kind of, once you're done writing, you kind of hand it off and let go of the baby, and it goes off to <coughs> to uh, grow up <laughs> in another, you know, on somebody else's record, and uh, other than the Dixie Chicks, well, I guess I played on the Carrie Rodriguez record too. But some of these, I I wasn't involved in the recording, so it was really nice to just say, well, maybe I want this to be a little faster, maybe a little uh, different key, uh, maybe a little slightly different, uh, humbler production. Uh, but you know, the arrangements in themselves weren't drastically different because I liked how they were, and there was no reason to reinvent it. Yeah, and there's a lot of great names on here. Of course, you mentioned the Dixie Chicks. It's not—it's hard not to bring that one up because that was such a monumental record to be a part of. That must have been felt in your career. Uh, was it? Was that felt in your career like immediately when uh, when a record that big happens and you're a part of it in any way? Uh, you know, not as much as I thought. <laughs> I thought the phone would, and I've talked to other writers on the project. You know, thought maybe the phone would just ring off the hook, <clears throat> but it didn't really. And I think it's because the Dixie Chicks were kind of unto themselves. They were they're kind of, uh, you know, they they weren't a straight country act, and especially at that point. And so it, it didn't change my life. I made some money, but not uh, retirement money. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty important time, though, to be uh, for them, and they want they had things they wanted to say, and you know, there's other songs I really enjoyed work with Jacob Dylan, who was a friend of mine and doesn't do a lot of co-writing, and we wrote a song called "Gonna Be a Darkness," which is one of my favorites, and that that was on the True Blood soundtrack. So um, that you know, again, that was a whole different thing because Jacob doesn't really co-write that much and uh, or didn't at least and so it was a real honor to do it with him and and then a couple of the others uh, uh, co-writes with wild feathers and emerson hart uh, you did those but those were never released right right the wild feathers we wrote a couple songs uh when i met them in la and we recorded we wrote and recorded two songs demoed two songs in one day and they recorded one of them for their previous record. It's called uh, American, I think it's called. And uh, but we did this backwards women, which uh, I was, was I really just had a little special place for it in my heart. And uh, they never really uh, didn't fit in with them or something. And so uh, I'm excited for all these people to kind of hear what we what we did with it, you know, because yeah. they, you know, most of these people haven't heard our versions yet. So and Emerson Hart is just a really good friend of mine who. We met just co-writing. <clears throat> they put us together to do some uh, writing and ended up, we wrote a bunch of songs that and we're hoping to make a record and just haven't gotten around to it. But a long time ago, which is on this record, was the first one we wrote together. And it's that's the cool thing about co-writing. Sometimes you walk into a room, meet somebody, write, and after four hours, you become really good friends. I guess what we're it's all kind of like for. speed dating. Right. <laughs> speed dating, yeah. You know, and, and sort of circling back around in that same uh, idea, too, um, I didn't know that Come Crying to Me, which was released on Natalie Maines, a solo record, had been around for that long. Like, So that 
as I understand, that had been around in those initial Dixie Chick sessions, right? Right. That was the first song that we wrote together. And we did that down in Austin, Texas. That uh, was when I first met them, and they had me come down, and we wrote. And didn't really hear anything back for a month or so. Uh, and then thinking, well, nothing more will come out of that. And then I got the call to come out to L.A. and continue writing. So Come Crying to Me was the first one, and it just didn't quite make it onto their record. And uh, But Natalie must have liked it enough that she put it on her solo record. Yeah, we love that one around here, too. I, I don't remember that ever being an official single off that record, but, man, did we play it a lot. Oh, cool. Yeah, just loved it. Um, and, and, and I'd love to hear, I, I haven't heard myself the, the two new songs, but I'm really interested to hear uh, Carry You to Safety and Leaving Detroit. So these are not co-writes. They, they, it sort of breaks the rules, right? Right. Well, we kind of just threw a little you know, candy at the end, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, for people who maybe had a, I don't know, we just kind of did that to, because I had a couple songs I really wanted to, to get on there, and they weren't co-writes, but they seemed to, end the record nicely and Carrie's Safety is uh, a song I wrote about my girlfriend when I met her and I think she's really happy it's on the record let's put it that way and uh, <laughs> Leaving Detroit is kind of a dark Jimmy Webb kind of uh, story about a bit of domestic uh, violence and love and and all kinds of weird things another thing that we seem to do is like a very pretty song with somewhat dark lyrics in it. you made a career out of it one that's made a lot of us very yeah. happy yeah there's a, and, and, and I know there's some other things happening. The uh, the second Ray Davies record is coming out, and you guys are a part of that again? Yep, that's coming out June 29th, I think. I'm not positive, but uh, yeah, I was real honored to be a part of that whole that whole project. You know, one of my childhood heroes, and now I can you know call him by first name and see him on the street. Uh, we would uh, hang out. So, you know, he's, he's, uh, it was a thrill. Yeah. Now, when you call him by last name, do you do Davies or Davis? Well, technically it's Davis, it's and I just have a hard time doing it, because <laughs> I just learned that last year, and I can't get my head around it, but that is the technical way that you're correct. That yeah. is the way to say it. Now, were those all those both sessions recorded at once, or are those two different sessions, no. Volume 1 and 2? Two different sessions, split up by maybe a year or a little less. You know, We always knew there was going to be another record, <clears throat> but um, yeah, those were split up. So two separate trips to, to London to record at Cox Studios, which was cool. And then uh, I know there's anniversary editions. I want to mention those as well. Uh, Vagabonds, that's a, your solo record. One of your solo records getting the 10th anniversary uh, reissue. And there's extra tracks there, right? There's a few extra tracks, I believe. And uh, new photos, liner notes that weren't there before. And uh, yeah, and it's on really high-quality vinyl. And uh, they did a beautiful job, kind of a limited edition kind of thing. Yeah. Now, is that just because it's turning 10, or is that one you had your eye on to, to get back out there? Uh, somebody's brought up the idea. Again, I wasn't really uh, on top of it, but uh, it's a, a really cool company, which whose name escapes me right now, but uh, uh, they do these sort of things, and so uh, I embraced that. And then we had that song on the Johnny Cash Words and Music mm-hmm. record. Where we, where we kind of I completed a, a unfinished Johnny Cash song along with a lot of other people like Roseanne Cash and uh, like Chris Cornell, Brad Paisley, Alison Krauss, a lot of great people on that record. That was cool. That I recorded that. We recorded that while we were on the road. It was wherever uh, my Morning Jacket's studio is. That, that was where we did that. So. Oh, yeah, no, that's here in Louisville. Yeah, no, that's right, because the last time you were here, uh, you were in the studio with me, and you kind of told me off the record after the... Uh, 
after the interview, like, yeah, there's this Johnny Cash thing. Because I had just oh, interviewed Chris in Cornell. Yeah, that, that was in Louisville. I had just interviewed Chris Cornell. Okay. And we were talking about that. I remember that now. That's mm. a, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we've had a lot of different things going on. That's cool. And uh, and I'll wrap it up with, uh, I also saw Golden Smogs down by the mainstreams getting a reissue. It, you know, I looked at that and is a pair of records 10 years apart. And, and now it's been another 10 years. And I thought, if they're going to do it, we're due again. We're due for another Golden Smogs. You know, it's really, really spooky that you brought that up, Kyle, is I got, I just got a text about a half an hour ago from Jody Stevens, the drummer who's in Big Star and uh -huh. he, he works in Memphis at Ardent, and uh, he was part of those records, uh, and uh, he just texted me and just said, hey, how are you? I miss you. Would you be interested? I've been listening to Weird Tales, and I wonder if, you know, you want to do some more shows, and so that's funny. I just said, if you can talk uh, the rest of the guys into it, uh, I might be interested, so, you know, uh, you know, a start would just be to play a few shows, and see what happens but uh, no promises yet yeah well, that's still the best news that uh that i've heard this this minute that's funny that you brought that up just today that's weird <laughs> it's in the universe man the universe wants a, a new uh new golden well, i guess record. so yeah yes, i it. guess so. yeah they reissued golden's uh weird tales and i think they're, they're reissuing down by the old mainstream which is uh, before that yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i'm looking forward to getting that too uh, and, and all of this, uh, Backroads and Abandoned Motels, this is really cool. I'm so glad that you finally put these songs together under one roof. Uh, it's really great. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. It was nice talking to you, Kyle. You too, Gary. And we'll see you around Louisville next time. Take care. Okay. Bye. Right. Bye. 2018 interview right there with the Jayhawks. Uh, speaking about that record, Backroads and Abandoned Motels. Uh, and now part three goes back uh, just to think a year before that, 2017. The Jayhawks had dropped by the WFPK studio, and we got to talk about that record, uh, Paging Mr. Prost. So let's get into that one. Part three, Kyle Meredith with the Jayhawks. Thank you. It's uh, our pleasure to be here. Yeah, got a, got a pair of Jayhawks in here. Gary Lewis, John Jackson. We have John Jackson here all the way from New York. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'll ask you to pull in just a little bit. And make sure we get we, we right. get you. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, you're playing the headliners tonight. Still touring behind this uh, latest record, paging Mr. Proust, which I guess is about a what a year old now, and probably two years recorded at this point. It's so almost exactly a year old. I think it came out like April 29th of uh, 2016. So yeah, so you're celebrating the anniversary. I don't know if we're celebrating anything, <laughs> but we're uh, we're touring and we're. We're getting to the end of this tour, which is probably the last tour for quite a while. So we're we're uh, we're firing on all cylinders, but right. we're limping to the finish. <laughs> a little bleary eyed. You look healthy. Uh, all things basically, considered. relatively speaking, for a rock musician, I'm pretty healthy. All right, all right. Well, it should be noted then that you know it's extra impressive with everything else that you all have been a part with, uh, a part of lately. Because not only do you have the new record out, but, uh, of course, producing and backing these other artists. You've got uh, Wesley Stace on the bill tonight. And yes. you're part of his record as well? Yes. We're the backup band on his record. We've become kind of these, the wrecking crew, <laughs> the reeking crew. Americana reeking crew. Americana reeking crew. So, yeah, he asked us to play on, on his latest record, and, you know, we're good friends with Wes and fans. Mm -hmm. So uh, we definitely said yes quickly, and know. Uh, Loved how it turned out. Yeah. And is that sort of more of just a band for hire? Or was it collaborative? Or how did it work out with you this time? Well, I think it was more band for hire in a way. I mean, we certainly were given free reign, but uh, his songs were written and we just, you know, interpreted them. Mm -hmm. And that's different than, than what you did with uh, Ray Davies from The Kinks. 
Uh, well, the Ray thing, we really were uh, his his studio musicians in that we he really directed every move. There was he knew exactly what he wanted until he maybe came up with another idea that he wanted that he <laughs> might change it. Right? Yeah. But John really was the executive producer on that record and hooked us up with Ray. Yeah. yeah he he he. We were talking about making the record um, a couple several years ago and. What he was describing as the sound of the record was just the band. So I just said, we should just get the band. And so he uh, agreed to that. And then we came in for a day of demos, and we did two songs that are on the record. And then uh, we've been back twice for two weeks to do um, that record. And mm-hmm. then there's still a second record that's going to come out at some point in the what, future. Do we have any idea? It would be next year, maybe? Or I think possibly either the end of this year or early next year, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that whole project is really exciting. I mean, it ties in with the book and just this really cool multimedia mm-hmm. thing that you get to be a part of. And, and with something like that, though, and I guess this happens with any time you're collaborating with someone, but you know, you're called in. How quick do you have to find that personal relationship with the, the artist you're working with to find that groove to be able to hit it? I mean, and you don't go on a you know a camp retreat over the weekend and, and do team building exercises. Hmm. That's a good point. I mean, I think uh, we seem to hit it off uh, with him pretty quickly, mm-hmm. uh, which is strange because he's one of my heroes, you know. So there were times where I was singing along, singing the harmony t- to a verse and thinking, how did I, I get here? Singing right. along with one of my heroes. and uh, But I think he just embraced the <clears throat> whole um, band pretty quickly. He liked... I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but he, I mean, he loved th- that we were a band, mm-hmm. and he—he, he, I think, he—he uh, he could relate mm-hmm. to all the idiosyncrasies, the love-hate, the family, the you know, because we've been a band a long time. As our current road manager said after hanging out with us, you guys, are like, you guys are all like an old married couple. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of a lot of in jokes, a lot of. Uh, you know, cutting each other down in a good-humored sure. way and kind of a lot of ribbing and uh, love, though. So anyway, we uh, – I don't know how you want to describe the process, but it just seems like we fell into it. Well, I think at first he he, he had a he had songs that were sort of, you know, mapped out with click tracks and things of that nature, and he was trying to get people to do sort of one thing at a time. But within a couple of days, it was just obvious that the band should just play as the band. And, you know, when he got – Gary and and Karen and Mark around, I mean, and Tim around a a microphone to sing. It was just exactly what he was looking for, those three voices nailing harmonies to exactly what he was doing. So it just ended up being, you know, hours and hours and hours of him just, you know, sort of looking at them from the control room doing these harmonies. And he was really happy with how everything came out. Yeah, so are we. I mean, we love the record. I love what you guys have done, part of it. Which, you know, I'll extend to the rest of your entire career. So <laughs> I think we've played, you know, just about every track that you've put out on any uh, major record and probably in heavy rotation at that. So to say we're big fans, that's uh, Thank really you. doesn't I go there. Thank you. appreciate everybody who plays us. The uh, latest record, Paging Mr. Proust. You'd mentioned um, that, you know, it's coming up on its, uh, its own year anniversary, which sort of uh, coincides with the timing of the 20th anniversary of Sound of Lies as well, right? I mean, that's... Uh, I believe so. I yeah. don't know. I'm trying to remember. It was recorded in 96, probably came out in 97. I think I remember seeing that somewhere. There was around the, uh, the anniversary of that, mm-hmm. too. And, and maybe I'm putting parts where they don't actually fit, but it <laughs> seems like there's actually some um, similarities in where you were 
at that point and, and where you are at this point. I mean, this album, uh, you, you become the dominant songwriter again, uh, you know, the main, the main songwriter. And, and I don't know, do you see all that? Well, the dominant songwriter I don't see so much because, you know, Sound Alive, Smile, and Rainy Day Music, I was basically okay. the songwriter. Uh, you know, Mockingbird Time was more going back to attempting to capture the magic of the two songwriters um, uh, attempting. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, I, you know, I can see similarities between Sound Alive and Paging Mr. Proust. Uh, uh, both have three words to the title. <laughs> SOL for Sound PMP. I'm kind of obsessed uh-huh. with acronyms for some reason. Whenever I see anything, I, I immediately put together the acronym. But, um, you know, it's got a little bit of um, uh, a little darker side, a little more hopeful, but it's, it's got some more experimentation than maybe uh, something like Rainy Day Music. It's... Uh, uh, it's weird, you know, and it's straight, you know, so like all over the place, but yeah. uh, uh, similar place. Uh, I mean, I'm probably putting it there because, you know, Sound of Lies is one of my favorite records that you guys did uh, for yeah. whatever reason. It's time and place. That was a perfect age, you know, when that comes out and you, you sort of know how those records sit with you when you're in your late teens and stuff, how they, you know, blossom a little bit more. And and I love the weird stuff that is happening on this record, too, just, you know, kind of letting go on some... Nice guitar oh, yeah, like flourishes. Oh, yeah, Ace, which is pretty yeah. strange, which we're not really playing on this tour. We've kind of stripped it down a little bit, but that was the song that, uh, you know, would either people would be into or it's where everybody would go get a beer, you know, because it's, <laughs> I've been told that, <laughs> you know, people are really, really into it or not. But, you know, it's like the record Saddle Lies is the, kind of the litmus test of the real uh, diehard Jayhawk fan mm-hmm. because... That, I think, is a revered record in our catalog, but probably the least lowest-selling record that we ever had. Right. And uh, so, but when you say that, it makes me happy because I think it occupies a special spot in in the band's heart, is that record. Mm -hmm. And we still come back to it and um, um, probably get more requests for songs off that than almost any other record. Isn't that interesting how that works out? You know? Yeah, you know, it's uh, time and place again. It's uh, it had, definitely has a mood throughout. Uh, one of the few records we made where uh, sound wise, I'm speaking of that uh, from start to finish. There's a song I would leave off, and, mm-hmm. and I can always say that about every record <laughs> that we make. Yeah. Well, again, I'm a big fan of all these records, and especially the new one as well. Um, I've heard you talk about a little bit about what happens next from here. I mean, uh, you know, wanting to get the, I don't know, did I read it right? Wanting to get the band more involved if you guys go uh, back yeah, and do the next I one? Yeah, I think uh, at this point I'm uh, kind of pulling back from touring. You know, i am mm-hmm. kind of been doing it a long time. I, I think we'll be doing some touring, but uh, I think the focus would be more about making records, make our own records, putting them out uh, in a creative way and getting the band more involved. It just is a crime in my mind that Tim O'Regan gets to sing two songs at night if we do his two songs that Mm -hmm. we do. And Karen doesn't have a lead vocal. Uh, Perlman hasn't really, uh, who's written some of the best songs or had a part in a lot of the best songs of the Jayhawks, like Trouble, What Led Me to This Town, Ain't No End, uh, Think About It. You know, he's written a lot of cool stuff and he needs to, uh, I need to step back a little bit and kind of quit Hog and hog and thing, and I like the idea of just you know kind of stepping back and and seeing what happens as a more of a cooperative. Now, 
if they don't write any good songs, then I might have to rethink this whole thing. But I have faith in them that they're going to come up with something. But, uh, yeah, I think we're looking a little bit more at trying to get more as a studio band. And uh, um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking to do other things mm-hmm. like chop wood and carry water. Uh, yeah, carry water out <laughs> in the country. Yeah. Can't blame you for that. Um I mean, we love having you guys in town whenever you want to come. But if it means more records, stay at home. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they say, well, we have what do we have nine studio records or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, which seems like a lot, but we've been together for thirty something years, and there were so many lost records along the way right. because we'd have to wait because we're not we don't sell enough records. The record company would want us to wait until there was a good you know when nobody else was putting out a record, mm-hmm. and we'd wait and. Uh, a lot of songs fall to the wayside. Maybe that's good for some of them, but there are definitely we should have put out at least another three or four records in this t- in that time frame. Well, at least nothing's stopping you from doing it now. Just yeah, yeah, three or four in the next three or four years. All right. and just knock them out. I promise <laughs> you. Challenge. I, I promise you. <laughs> on this date, no, I'm not going to make any promises. <laughs> I can't keep, but yeah. The Jayhawks here on 91.9 WFPK. Gary Lewis, John Jackson, thank you guys so much for uh, for coming in today. That mandolin sounds fantastic. <laughs> it does. It, does. it sounds so good. Tonight at Headliners, those details again at WFPK.org. Um, we'll see you it's back the West Ace. We'll get up there and play a song That's right. with him uh, towards the end of his set, and then well, we're going to go record shop, vinyl shopping now. Awesome. <laughs> good luck. May the... Uh, the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's 91.9 WFPK. My thanks, Gary Lewis. The Jayhawks, the brand new record, XOXO, Kiss, Hug, Kiss, Hug, or is it Hug, Kiss, Hug, Kiss? I forget which letter means which. Anyway, it's uh, it's a nice embrace. That's what it is. Big thanks to Gary. Big thanks to you for checking out this episode. Before you get out of here, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you're not already. Keep up with all the interviews that were released three a week, a brand new interview every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so you can keep up with all your favorite artists on here. After that, head to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, that's 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media hotspots at Kyle Meredith. Hope to see you online as well. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.